0: Three Dog Thursday on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network presented by MyBookie.ag. Now look, Vegas may be closed, but MyBookie's Casino is open 24-7. They're also the home to the free $10,000 Blackjack Madness Tournament. Use the promo code SGP. Receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets. That's the promo code SGP to play, win, and get paid at MyBookie.ag. We're also brought to you in part by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay-per-head providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sportsbook. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com SGP. That's aceperhead.com SGP. And we're brought to you by Roman. If you're struggling with ED and you don't want to wait for treatment, get effective ED prescriptions without having to visit a doctor. Just go to GetRoman.com SGP for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com SGP. And we're also brought to you by Dejan Madness. We're giving away $3,000 in our virtual NCAA tournament through the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. The games are streamed live with SGP commentary and betting lines from mybookie.ag. Just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash contest and enter your bracket before Thursday night at 6 Pacific time. Again, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash contest slash contest. Get in with a bracket. You can bet on the game through my bookie. It's Degen Madness. And we're brought to you by ProSwap. You don't have to go to Vegas to buy Vegas bets. ProSwap is available in many states where there's no sports betting. Use the promo code SGP and you get a 100% deposit bonus up to a hundred bucks. That's proswap.com promo code SGP.
1: Well, welcome
0: in, everybody, and hello, and welcome to the month of April. It is the only digital radio show that is usually devoted exclusively to those underdogs, but we have no games in the world of sports because of the outbreak of COVID-19, the coronavirus, all over the country, all over the globe. Everything has shut down. It has ground to a halt for another week. And probably for another several weeks, it looks like, at least in the United States. So everybody stay safe. Keep your isolation going, your social distancing going. We will get through this positive outlook. I know a lot of different people are spouting opinions every which direction. I choose to be an optimist. And folks, I don't choose to buy into the fear mongering and the hysteria that we're not going to see any more sports the rest of this year. It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, to sit now in in the first couple of days of the month of April and predict what's going to happen in June or or what do we know about July. We don't know about next week or even May right now. And things can certainly be dramatically better by the time we get to May and to June and hopefully have some sports come back around. I know that we're all holding out hope. Uh, that we're going to see the baseball season eventually start, the NFL season start on time. I don't know what happens at this point with the college hoops canceled, with the NBA and the NHL on hold in this country, the PGA Tour on hold. I, I know tennis tournaments, uh, Grand Slam tennis tournaments on the day that I'm taping this. Wimbledon is canceled for the first time ever because of what's going on in London uh, with the coronavirus. And they they know they're not going to be ready, obviously, uh, for the end of June uh, for that. But Kentucky Derby being moved to the fall, potentially the Masters Golf Tournament in the fall, the Indianapolis 500 uh, is now going to be moved as well until the late summer so I understand that uh, that we've got to be safe, but we we have goals. We have a, a mindset of hey, we can we can see the big picture. Everybody stay safe, and in the in the coming few weeks, things should and most likely will be better. Stop watching TV. Stop reading on the internet the doom and gloom that says we're going to have no sports for the rest of the year when those that are saying it don't know. And uh, and there you go. I am off the soapbox on that. So here is what we're here to do. I like any other big time college basketball fan was so looking forward to Final Four week and Final Four weekend and being in Atlanta for tune in Also previewing it with this show, Three Dog Thursday, for the national semifinals on Saturday in the championship game. This would have been the ninth year in a row, the 19th time overall that I would have been at a Final Four. All for naught. No NCAA tournament in 2020. Well documented. We know this. It's never going to be played. We're never going to know. But we're going to have fun on this show with our guests reminiscing about favorite Final Four moments. That's part of it. And want to tell you that straight ahead, something fun with our handicapper who's done a great job all year long, college football, the NFL, and into college basketball season with MajorWager.com. Brian Edwards will be with me. Brian will be on the program, and uh, we'll talk with him about my hypothetical Final Four matchups. I've got four games that I've come up with, and I'll explain it more with Brian and how I came up with them, but it involves the likes of Kansas and Gonzaga and San Diego State and Michigan State and Florida State and uh, Dayton and uh, Seton Hall. Those are the eight teams that I used in different matchups. And so uh, I'll lay that out for Brian and see what he would have done or what he would have thought for lines on those games and what underdogs might have been. Because I really believe those eight teams that I just listed had a really legitimate shot of being in Atlanta at the Final Four. So I'll have fun with Brian on that in addition to his Final Four memories. He's also going to talk about UFC and Dana White, Ultimate Fighting, And the MMA sport, where Dana White looks like he's still trying to put on a UFC fight card and pay-per-view in the month of April, in this month, somewhere in the United States, despite the virtual lockdown that's going on everywhere, uh, for social gathering, and how do you get it sanctioned, and and how do you have a facility, and how, how do you exactly put that on, so... We'll talk with Brian Edwards about that. Following him is Gary Seegers of the Winning Cures Everything podcast. Gary and Chris Giannini on that podcast and YouTube show. They also have a daily Periscope show as well that they've been doing in and around not just the games themselves, but now that the games have stopped, uh, they're talking about things away from the court, away from the field, away from the golf course, the UFC octagon. Uh, the hockey rink, on and on. So uh, I love Gary's insight. He'll talk college basketball with me for the Final Four with the memories, some about what they're doing on their show. I look forward to all of it with Gary Seegers coming up on the Winning Cures Everything podcast. Then after he, T.C. Martin will be here from the T.C. Martin Show in Las Vegas. He's on five days a week afternoon radio in Vegas and also on tcmartinshow.com. TC will talk about what is it like in the usual craziest of towns, Las Vegas, for March Madness, for the Final Four, and now it's a ghost town. Everything shut down. All the resorts, the casinos, uh, Las Vegas Boulevard, dark, even in the daytime. No pedestrians, no people out in public, all for the coronavirus uh, scare and outbreak. Everybody doing their part to isolate social distancing to stop the spread of it. TC will talk about what it's like. And then he will also have some fun with me and talk on this program about something he came up with on his show, Breakfast Cereal Madness. Cereal Madness and his Sweet 16, Elite 8, Final Four of Breakfast Cereals, his guests that have been coming up with the voting on the cereals, uh, the fan voting. I even weigh in on this, so Serial Madness with T.C. Martin of Las Vegas later on Three Dog Thursday. And Sean Green will also be here as part of Three Dog Thursday from the Sports Gambling Podcast. Again, we're part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. If that's how you found the show, thank you for doing so off of their feed, off of SportsGamblingPodcast.com. Subscribe to the show via iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, Spreaker, wherever you get your podcasts, subscribe. So if you found it on a social media link or the website the easiest way to get it it'll come automatically to you we're not going anywhere for april we're going to keep talking it up Uh, if there is new news we'll talk about it nfl draft are they going to resume the nba playoffs there is a rumor that the nba playoffs may be coming right away whenever sports are safe enough to hold again even without fans that the nba playoffs may resume as soon as the month of june they may just go ahead and play the whole month of june and early july with the NBA postseason. So we're going to have plenty to talk about. So again, subscribe, and you'll get a new podcast every Thursday here as part of Three Dog Thursday. And we love the relationship with Sean Green, Ryan Kramer. Uh, and all the guys with the SportsGamblingPodcast.com. And Sean will also be talking about not only his Final Four memories, but also their D-Gen Madness for degenerate. They they had to come up with something, computer simulations of games with teams that includes point spreads, live betting, etc. D-Gen Madness. Sean will tell you more about what they're doing at SportsGamblingPodcast.com on their show, those computer-simulated games and much more. Look forward to talking with him about that. All right, we got so much to get to here on the program. Let's get rolling. We don't have the Final Four, but we've got our memories to reminisce. We've got some other fun topics to cover and go over it in and around the Final Four. Let's get rolling. Yep, so as I mentioned, we have no Final Four to talk about, but the next best thing is to reminisce And to also, as I've already teased, go over some hypothetical matchups. I haven't even given the matchups out as of yet, but I bring in from Vegas Insider and MajorWager.com, love the insight, the handicapping, the underdog conversation with Brian Edwards back on board with me. Okay, so we've come to grips with the fact that there is no Final Four. There has been no NCAA tournament. It doesn't make it much easier, but welcome in, and I'm going to have fun because we're going to reminisce about some Final Four memories, including uh, ones that we've been at in person, and uh, and then have fun with the hypothetical lines and a little bit more. Brian is is dying to talk a little UFC and the and the craziness around whether this latest UFC pay per view. Uh, big show fight is going to come off here in in april and where and how so stand by for all that welcome my friend happy happy april we have flipped the calendar here to the month of april how are things
2: things are good my man thanks for having me and um you know we uh Chug along here in the coronavirus era. Uh, can't wait! Can't wait to get to the
0: post-coronavirus. Era. Yeah, I think all of us. We've done the isolation thing and the and the social distancing. And the hardest thing is we don't have live sports to help occupy us. And we've about burned through as much binge watching of of different shows and movies. And now the replays of games that are going on are interesting, but. We're all anxious for the live games to begin, and more on that a little later. Maybe you know, maybe they will be beginning a little bit later on. So, all right, let me hit you with this. If I say to you, Final Four, I, I know the answer, but Final Four, memory or two, what comes to mind immediately as I serve it up on a silver platter to a noted Gator fan about the Final Four? So, go ahead.
2: Well, okay, so 06, the dunk contest against UCLA was obviously awesome, and 07... Um in Atlanta when I lived in Atlanta I actually did not go to the semifinal game wow. um when we when we smashed UCLA for the second straight year but uh my dad decided to drive up Monday morning so we did go to the Ohio State game uh at the Georgia Dome so that was obviously great but in terms of like m- some of my favorite title games and I I hope for the younger listeners I'm not going way too old school for them but I guess I am Um, I I really think the Nova-Georgetown game in 85 because, you know, Nova barely got into the tournament that year, similar to NC State in 83 with Valvano when they beat by Slamma Jamma in Houston, which was another great game. The late, low Charles uh, with the putback at the buzzer on Wittenberg's uh, airball, which he always claimed was a pass uh, laughingly. (laughs) Um, The Nova-Georgetown game at Rupp Arena, uh, nope, that was the Patrick Ewing years. They were so dominant. They had beaten Nova three times, Big East tournament and the regular season. And, you know, we found out later Gary McClain was snorting blow before the Memphis game. I, know. Semifinals. But, I know. But Harold Dixon went seven for seven that game, and they shot 77 point something percent and still only beat Georgetown by two. The 89 finals, Michigan-Seton Hall- You know, Seton Hall had been horrible since the creation of the Big East, but P.J. Carlissimo got him going. Morton scored 35 that game. I'm pretty sure that was the first title game that ever went overtime. And, unfortunately, one of the best referees ever, John Clockerty, to end the game, Seton Hall's up one, and he made a deplorable blocking call foul on <laughs> Gerald Green and Ramil Robinson, who had now been a you very shaky... Now,
0: you know Michigan fan does not agree with the deplorable analysis. They are saying justifiable, correct, right call by Clockerty that put Ramil Robinson on the line.
2: i go back and watch it, anybody. It, it was so not a foul. It was just the shock that it was a foul. But now, he had dished to Terry Mills on the wing before the south so maybe Mills would have made the shot. But instead, Re- Neil Robbins, who had struggled with his free throws all year, he made both, and they win it. Other favorites, I mean, you you got a, the, the Chris Jenkins buzzer beater in overtime against North Carolina. Absolutely. After, after North Carolina made that wild double-pump crazy, like uh, off-the-backboard shot to tie it just moments before, or, or was that over well, overtime? What correct. That, right?
0: Correct. He had he had made the crazy shot. It had tied the game. I was in NRG Stadium doing work for Tune In with my colleagues Mark Wise and Ari Russell and our programming. Uh, we were in the end zone with Villanova coming at us. And look, there are two iconic buzzer-beating ending national title moments: they, the Lorenzo Charles play that you referenced with Derek Wittenberg shooting the forty-foot shot that's an air ball, and Charles catching it and dunking it. Uh, to beat Fi Slamma Jamma, and then that moment where where Villanova's Chris Jenkins buried that three, and the eruption. Give
2: me a hint on the third. I'm, I'm I'm shooting blanks on the third. Give me a slight hint. there's not a there's no.
0: not a third. Those are the only two that I know oh. of. The, those are oh, the I two. Right, right. The My two bad. that I know of uh, includes this Chris Jenkins one, and I can't convey the 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 momentary pause. All right, so the whole arena. Like held their breath, the momentary pause that that ball was in the air, and then the shot goes in. The eruption from the crowd, and at the same time, the confetti cannons went off, which sounded like on the microphones, like somebody had had uh, you know bombed in, had set off a bomb inside the stadium. I mean, it reverberated and echoed the confetti cannon to the point where everybody jumped. Because they were firing Ooh. the confetti cannons uh, after the made shot and the and the blue and the light blue streamers for Villanova were coming down out of the heavens. so it was it was a crazy moment that moment. and so th- those are the only two that i I mean there's yes, keith Keith smart shot for Indiana came in the final seconds. Michael Jordan's same yeah. building Superdome came in the final seconds. There are other guys that that hit a shot at the end to help seal it but not at the buzzer not to win the whole thing at the buzzer like we all dreamed about in the backyard or in the driveway three two one shoot it for the win so yeah those are uh those are definite uh definite uh memories let's go back to villanova georgetown they recently replayed that at the time that we're taping on uh cbs that moment with brent musk that that game that that historic win uh with brent musburger billy packer uh, on the call, there have been books about Raleigh Massimino, the late Raleigh Massimino's team. Uh, the the documentary on HBO is phenomenal about that upset. Uh, you cannot say enough about the, the, how that so enhanced March Madness and and really pushed it into the 80s and the 90s into the mega event it became. That upset. Uh, and how they did it with tens of millions of people watching. Because remember, Brian, you know this. Back in the mid-1980s, there's no internet, by the way. There is cable, but satellite dishes weren't a big deal. You didn't have a lot of choices uh, on games and that kind of stuff. This this upset, that win, humongous for what we now have in the 2020s for the NCAA tournament Online on your phone, international broadcast, foreign language broadcast—all of that was spawned out of the '80s and, and that drama of, of the Final Four, sir.
2: Yeah, and I'm looking at uh, VegasInsider.com's uh, page on their uh, basketball arena that has a history of the you know the spreads and over unders. Uh, only going back to that—that's the first one, Villanova Georgetown. It only goes back that far. Now I will. Uh, say that they didn't take bets on UNLV in, in 90, and UNLV probably would have been a double-digit favorite against Duke in 90. But as I'm looking at all these spreads, um, there's only two that are higher than Villanova plus nine against Georgetown at Rupp Arena in 85. Or 80, yeah, 85. Um, and Villanova won outright as a nine-point dog. Okay, the only spreads higher than that were Kentucky-Syracuse uh, uh, 96, when uh, John Wallace they had that right. wild game against Georgia, Cepola's buzzer beater. Sapola went on to date Dr. Melfi from the Sopranos, but anyway, that line was 14. <laughs> um, I, the love, I, love the 14. Yeah. I love the random
0: nuggets, you're yeah. on a roll. I love the random nuggets. Keep going, Brian Edwards. Yes. Yeah, the,
2: the 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 Cues covered plus 14. I remember I had them that game, but uh, they lost by nine, and then the only bigger spread in the title game is uh, nine and a half. Uh, between UConn and Duke in '91. Oh, oh! Wow, so I am mistaken. So you because UConn won that game. So that is, is the biggest upset in
0: '99. Well, I would have thought maybe yeah. the UConn Butler '2011 ugly game. Speaking of Houston and NRG Stadium, that one is is uh, by by any standard. It wow, it was, it was a bad game. Spread. And remember, Butler had beaten VCU in the semifinal game. I'm surprised that the line wasn't bigger for UConn in that one, but uh, yeah, so uh, it's it's just interesting what we remember about, uh, about the upsets, those biggest moments, and again, I, I've had the privilege of being at a bunch of these. I, I don't like it. I'll bring it up again here briefly. I was right there at courtside, on level with Mario Chalmers. He was even with me when he shot that three against my Memphis Tigers to force overtime where the Tigers couldn't make free throws and didn't grab him, didn't foul him before he shot that three with only about two or three seconds left uh, in that one. That,
2: hey, yeah, hey, so. that, that, that game was lost by the foul by the big guy for Memphis who played a little bit for the Rockets. The big, he was kind of the goon. Joey
0: Dorsey, right, Joey Dorsey.
2: Joey Dorsey committed a blocking foul 45 feet from the basket up five or seven with like 25 seconds to give them two Easy points with the clock stop. That Joey Dorsey stupid foul in around half court was just and obviously hey, Derek Rose. I know.
0: We're we're hashing it over. Five missed free throws in the final minute, three in the last thirty seconds, including coming out of the timeout and Rose missing the free throw at the end. But still the, the memories we have of of these different games. I mean, even uh, right now while we're talking, okay, so on the day that we're talking, it's the thirty fifth anniversary, April Fools of Villanova over Georgetown. But as we're talking right now, we're at the 52-week anniversary this weekend of last year's Texas Tech-Virginia game, where when you go back and watch the end of that one in Minneapolis, Texas Tech had their chances at the end of regulation with the lead late, uh, with the ball tied with seconds left, and Jarrett Culver, the best player with the ball in his hands and a clean look for three, they had the lead in overtime. Uh, I, I joked with you. So that's Virginia finishing the storybook turnaround to win the national championship the year after losing to a 16 seed. Which would have been worse, Brian Edwards, MajorWager.com, that you lose to a 16 seed as a number one or come back the following year and get all the way to the final seconds of the national title game and have Texas Tech beat you on a last second shot and rip your heart out, like we're talking about. Which which is worse if you're a Virginia? Which torments you more uh, as a Virginia fan to have it end in one game humiliating to a 16 seed or end all the way at the end in the national title game in the final second like it could have against the Red Raiders?
2: Uh, I I I think you got to appreciate every W in March. So I would rather lose at the buzzer and get five Ws in the final. I think because, uh, you know... You, you never know. Uh, it's just a one and done scenario, and it's surviving advance. And if you can get five Ws, that's that's a special, special. Season. And I have so always
0: I, said, have always said to your point, if you make it to the final four, there are no losers there, no matter what happens, because there are no undeserving teams. To your point, that at this point have won four games. Now I know back in the day when UCLA was dominating, uh, they they didn't have to win four games to get to the final four because it was only a thirty-two team tournament. A lot of those. Years where they were simply winning two games to get there. If you've won four times, you're not you're not a loser if you lose a Final Four semifinal. You're with me on that, right, I mean, no matter who you are.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would take it even further. I mean, I think getting to the Sweet Sixteen is the barometer of a successful season. Now there would be exceptions, you know, a, an undefeated number one team, you know, that's favored by ten right. in the Sweet Sixteen if they lose, that would be an exception. But I I think for the most part you know, because it's a one-and-done scenario. If you get to the Sweet 16, it's hard to call a season a disappointment unless you're just a senior-laden team that, you know, like let's say Florida didn't defend in 07 when everybody came back and they lost in the Sweet 16. That would be a disappointment. But I think in most cases, if you make a Sweet 16 – that's grounds for a, a unless you just have unfathomably high standards, which is the case in some instances. But uh, I think that that I'll take it to even just the Sweet Sixteen. Is a I good thing.
0: I still remember those Gator teams in '06 and '07, and Billy Donovan really revolutionized. Uh, offense and pick-and-roll offense using some NBA strategies and tactics, etc., uh, with Noah and Horford as the big men off the pick-and-roll that could both shoot, that could both aggressively go to the basket um just a tremendous job so we we have we have all these different memories of final fours that we can dwell on and great games and fantastic finishes i i still submit i i know a year ago that carson edwards of purdue was making almost everything he shot as a little six foot one guard and and you know slingshotted them all the way to the elite eight and speaking of the elite eight that's where virginia beat them in the final seconds uh with a last second shot but Carson Edwards made a ton of shots. I still go back to that 89 tournament you're referencing though. And, uh, and Glenn Rice as fantastic, yeah. a shooting performance as you will ever see in an NCAA tournament in a final four in a championship game, you kept changing venues and he kept making every shot. It seemed like just while we're going in the way back.
2: I, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not positive on this. We'd have to look it up after this, after this, but, uh, I know you know Leitner has all the career points records, but I'm pretty sure that Glenn Rice's 89 six game run. I'm pretty sure that was the most points scored in one tournament. I'll have to check that if I'm not mistaken. And yeah, he was he, and he some was others. Right, Steph
0: field. like Steph Curry scored a ton of points in four games in 08, but I don't think he rose to the level of the six game total that you're mentioning with Rice, no. who had it right. in uh, who had it seemingly in uh, in every game. So. Uh, yeah, no, no doubt that was a great shooting performance and we're loving the final four memories. Brian Edwards of, uh, majorwager.com and Vegas Insider hanging with me. It is Three Dog Thursday. Okay, so a fun exercise qualifications coming here understand we never got a bracket we never got to see how a lot of these power six and i include the big east with the power conferences how their conference tournament played out for any of the favored teams or any of the upset minded teams so uh, with the understanding that there's no way to know what would have happened because of the coronavirus outbreak in conference tournaments that would have set things up for Selection Sunday, and then we wouldn't have had brackets to know who was playing in what bracket, I simply went off of eight teams that I like to have a good chance to be in the Final Four, and then I plugged them in totally subjectively into matchups that I liked, and I said to Brian Edwards, give me a line on these four games. So Here are the four games. And the four matchups that I gave you with those qualifiers, that that again, we we don't get to know how they were playing in the conference tournament. Did they lose in the first game, right, Brian? Did they lose in the conference tournament championship game? We don't get to know who were the teams they beat to get to Atlanta here, hypothetically. It is only an on-paper matchup based on what we knew at the time that everything stopped, dead bang, we're not playing anymore. Fair enough on how I've qualified all of this. Did I do a good enough job? Absolutely. All right, so I gave you four games. I gave you, uh, and I know you're smiling even though I can't see you, I gave you Dayton and Kansas, a rematch game of a great game in Maui that went to overtime at the Maui Classic, the Maui Invitational, uh, in November, where Dayton really proved they could hang. It made Brian Edwards start paying close attention to Anthony Grant's team, Obi Toppin, and all of his complimentary players. And it started saying to me in January, this team will win the national title. You were all over that in January uh, with me on Three Dog Thursday. So if a hypothetical Final Four now rematch had been out there for Dayton and Kansas, both of them obviously winning four games to get there, what do you believe the line would have been? In Atlanta, for that one first.
2: I believe the line would have been Kansas minus three and a half or four. However, my line would have been Dayton minus one and a half. And I make my own line, and I want my line to be off. Like, I love it when my line is four or five points different from what comes out. So I think it would have been three and a half or four. My line is Dayton minus one and a half. I would have gobbled up Dayton plus three and a half or four. And for a smaller amount, I would have gotten Dayton small on the money line.
0: Love, uh, love the fact that you are backing them to the very end, and you would have loved them obviously as an underdog against Kansas. And again, Kansas at the time that everything stopped, had it's, it's seemingly been unstoppable, including uh, beating Baylor in the rematch uh, in um, in in Waco and and winning everything down the stretch and the outright Big Twelve title. And of course, Dayton hadn't lost. Uh, what, in the calendar year to anybody, including in the Atlantic 10, when everything stopped? So that would have been uh, fascinating on that one. All right, so I gave you another one. We did get a little partial on San Diego State. We know that at the end of their regular season, they uh, they suffered a loss to UNLV. They had a couple of other narrow Uh, wins where they were even losing in the second half in regular season play. We then know that at the Mountain West tournament, which was played, obviously, the week before everything shut down, the weekend before everything shut down, that they were in trouble in their opening game with Air Force and losing at halftime. They were in trouble in their semifinal game, uh, losing at one point in that. And then a back and forth game with Utah State that ended um, uh, with the Merrill kids, Sam, Sam Merrill. Merrill, making the three-pointer at the very end in a game that San Diego State seemed to be in control of, but Utah State wouldn't quit. So we do have a more complete picture, is my point, of San Diego State at the end of the season. Again, we have no idea who they would have beat in what bracket for the four games to get to the Final Four. Now I place them against Kentucky just for a juicy, subjective matchup. Again, the Wildcats never played a game in the uh, SEC tournament. We don't know what their bracket would have been to get to Atlanta, but in a hypothetical Aztecs-Big Blue Nation matchup, what do you believe the line would have been, Brian? Um, I think
2: Kentucky... Four and a half, five, um, I thought they were playing pretty well down the stretch. Not really the first half against Florida in the regular season finale. But other than that, I thought they've been playing pretty good down the stretch. Um, and just so I think, yeah, Kentucky minus four and a half or five. But what, one thing I've thought about in, in recent weeks is I feel so bad for all the seniors. i tell you one senior I don't feel bad for. And how about the way Sam Merrill? You know, he, he can go out with that. I mean, that was a well defended, just audacious, super deep, excuse me, super deep three ball to win it I I think he can take that as the end of his career
0: well I think it's a great point that we we revere Michael Jordan with the walk-off moment with the Bulls right they're going to release that Bulls documentary on ESPN later in April here coming up where they won the six titles in eight years and the last of those six titles is the walk-off iconic moment with him with the hand in the air in Utah having made the shot of course he came back to play later on but your point is Sam Merrill's walk-off moment for his career is a three to beat San Diego State and win the tournament, and that's it. They didn't play anymore. He didn't play anymore. I
2: love and, that. I, you know, hey, I, hey he was go- He was pissed. He was going and won! screaming <laughs> at the ref. and one.
0: <laughs> well, we'll see. Uh, you know, uh, in in later in his career, does he have an NBA career, et cetera, et cetera? But for that moment for Utah State. But anyway. Uh, San Diego State, Kentucky, I don't know that I would have been just with with the way that their season ended, even if they had put together the four wins to go to the Final Four. I'm going Calipari with the experience and the deeper roster. I don't know that I would have been on them as an underdog. You would have said four or four and a half, Kentucky. I don't know that I would have liked the Aztecs and Malachi Flynn in that situation. All right, so I gave you two more hypotheticals on matchups that would have potentially taken place this weekend, completely subjected by me, no bracket. No way of knowing. Give me Gonzaga, who was so good all year long. They were the number one team in the country for a lot of the year. Uh, Give me Gonzaga and Seton Hall, who was the best team in the Big East. It ended up being a three-way tie at the end of the Big East regular season. But for a lot of the league year, they were the best team in the Big East with wins over Villanova, uh, with wins over Creighton and Marquette and the other teams near the top of that. Kevin Willard's team with Miles Powell, an outstanding guard. If it, if it had been Seton Hall, Gonzaga on a neutral floor, Brian Edwards, wager dot com, give me a line. What about it?
2: I think Gonzaga minus three. Um, I I don't know that I would have a strong opinion on that game. I think that would be a good good line. Uh, Seton Hall. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Gonzaga minus three, and. Uh, I think Gonzaga would win a nail biter there. That would be a tough tough uh, call gambling line.
0: And of course, few had gotten to the Final Four in 2017, and his team very deep. And would have wanted it, not for those BS
2: foul calls on Zach Collins. <laughs> that was an absolute. Travis Uh, dominating that basketball game. Gonzaga wins that game. Sounds like somebody
0: somebody was on Gonzaga that night against North Carolina in the Phoenix Desert, and I was right there, and Gonzaga was going toe-to-toe with them, and it was mysterious that the blue-blood North Carolina started getting all the calls.
2: Zach Collins, like, of the five fouls he made... I mean, he, they weren't fouls on like three of them, and two of them were so nickel-dime, ticky-tack. It was insane. I was going nuts. On uh,
0: I can tell. All right, so you would not have been bullish necessarily on Seton Hall back in a Final Four like you were talking about since 1989 against Gonzaga. All right, let's go with a Final Four staple. Michigan State, they always seem to be there with Tom Izzo. <laughs> If I hypothetically said they they put the (laughs) run together and they would have been meeting, let's say, the ACC's top team. Again, we have no idea how Michigan State or Florida State would have fared in their conference tournament. They never played. But Florida State was the regular season champ in the ACC, and many people believe Final Four worthy. So if I put them in Atlanta on a neutral floor with Sparty, you would say what for a hypothetical line?
2: I would say that I think think it probably would be fsu minus one one and a half or two but because of head coaching and uh tournament experience i know fsu was the elite eight a few years back but i would go with sparty minus two and a half as my line and that would be an unbelievably great point guard matchup between Tw- trent forrest and cassius Winston. oh yeah trent trent forrest The nephew of Ant Lee of FSU football fame and the first cousin of Saban Lee, who dropped 38 uh, on somebody in a Vandy game late in the season. Um, I think Sparty would win a nail biter, uh, and the head coaching advantage is really probably uh, worth that two and a half points that I'm saying. Interesting that
0: you would think that a Vegas line. Would be Florida State favorite in that game. I'm not so sure. I don't know. You know about this more. This is yeah, what you not. do. Maybe not. Maybe not. But I would, I, if Michigan State was the underdog for the reasons you just gave and more uh just uh the toughness that kind of stuff although you know Michigan State was in the final four last year favored with Winston against Texas Tech having beaten Duke the previous weekend and didn't get it done uh Chris Beard and the Red Raiders knocked them out when I I think a lot of people were looking at Michigan State saying that may be the team that cuts the nets down when we got to Minnesota in Big Ten country and they didn't get out of that final four game but I might have I might have loved the Spartans yeah
2: FSU had so much offensive balance and they're so deep. I think in close games, they, you know, who do they go to? Whereas Sparty, you know, Cassius Winston is either going to get to the rim or he's going to get somebody a clean look. And so in just a tight game, also coaching, look, look Hamilton has done a fabulous job at FSU. He's done a fabulous job, but. Um, Sorry, he's a he's not only not a good good game coach,
0: he's a terrible game oh, coach. And I, I, I see some like- gator orange and blue bleeding through there on the dagger at the garnet and gold of Florida State in the state that we live in uh, here. So that's just that's interesting. And and Leonard Hamilton had a lot of uh, experience in a lot of other places. Uh, like Miami, like as, as, as a Kentucky assistant, et cetera. You, Jordan, the uh, there you go. So, uh, yeah, all right. So that, that would have been a great hypothetical. We will never know. I've kept you for a while. Few more moments. You're big in the UFC. All right, what in the name of the octagon is going on here? Because Dana White has been adamant at the time we're taping, this could change here. Three Dog Thursday could come out. You're hearing us maybe later in the weekend, and he may decide to call it off. But for right now... He wants to hold a UFC pay-per-view, even with all the social distancing and isolation guidelines and everything being shut down everywhere and everybody being ordered inside, stay home orders, etc. Dana White believes he can find a venue, he can hold this pay-per-view. Rumors, speculation that it's potentially going to be in Florida where there's not a statewide stay-at-home mandate. There are a lot of other states where there's not a statewide stay-at-home mandate right now. He is shooting for the weekend of April the nineteenth. What's going on, Brian? Give me some insight.
2: Well, it's a very fluid situation. Um, so basically, in the last uh, week or two, okay. Well, let's go back to that UFC London card uh, when it got canceled in England. They were going; to, they had it all ready to go. They had the card. They had, uh, you know, we had a full card, everything. They were going to h- hold it on a, uh, some tribal. Native American land, outside of Oklahoma City. So now, okay, a couple of weeks ago, Dana said, it's probably not going to be in the United States, and they they he told Habib Nurmagomedov, the UFC lightweight champion, uh, who, by the way, is almost as popular as Conor McGregor worldwide, like especially in the Muslim countries, because he's very uh, religious, and, mm-hmm. and you know recognizes Ramadan, etc. So, Um, he thought it was going to be in Abu Dhabi, so he left where he trained, where like Daniel Cormier and and Rockhold and Cain Velasquez in in California under Javier Mendez. He left California where he was training to go to Abu Dhabi because it's in the desert, and he wanted to acclimate, and a lot of people like to go there like a month in advance to acclimate. So on the way there, Abu Dhabi shuts down their borders, so he goes ahead home to Dagestan uh, in, in Russia, and now... Russia is not letting anybody leave, and I I guess the U.S. is not going to let him enter, even if he's able to leave. So they're working. He's out. So they've offered Justin Gaethje to fight Ferguson. Gaethje has accepted. Ferguson is undecided, understandably so because last time, you know, when Khabib was out, they did an interim title, and then Ferguson got hurt, and they stripped him of, you know, Ferguson's won 12 in a row. Now, the, there have been odds put out by Bet Online, Ferguson minus 150 versus Gaethje plus 130, um, but if it doesn't happen, there are a lot of guys, Talking, they want to fight. masvidal's volunteered. You know, the long uh rivalry of Colby Covington and Tyron Woodley. They've never fought. That they've both said they'll do that. That could be the new main event. Um they, they think I think they're gonna do Francis Nganu, a big heavyweight knockout artist against uh 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 I'm shooting a blank on his name. Um uh, but anyway, he, he just knocked out Alistair Overeem. So they've got a lot of different options, but it's a very fluid situation. And it seems to change by the day. But right now, what we know is that we don't really know anything.
0: <laughs> well, and and the other part of this is uh, there. it's very possible, very possible, uh, no one knows for sure right now, that things will be loosened up come the middle of May and early June. So isn't one of the arguments, rather than trying to ramrod this through right now, Somewhere where you can't have any fans, and you're gonna you're gonna be vilified for having tried to do it. Why not wait? Why? I mean, the yeah. there's a strong argument for just simply there's not harm in waiting another few weeks to see where it is, and maybe you want to ramrod one in in May if, if yeah, when it's I, when it's better. What about that argument, Ryan?
2: Yeah, no, I'm all, I'm all for move. Everybody wants to see Tony and Habib. Tony's won twelve in a row. Habib's never lost. Um, You know Tony's only lost by decision. uh, God, it was like seven or eight years ago. Everybody wants to see this fight. Um, Why not just hold that and you know let them fight? And by the way, if you're not this is the fifth time they've booked Tony and Khabib. Like the fight is cursed. Uh, (laughs) Twice Khabib pulled out. uh, Once Ferguson got hurt. Um, the, he tripped over a wire so what seven you're, days oh God. Yeah, go so
0: what you're saying is there's not meant to be, and then there's this. There's, there's this situation. Yeah. It's just beyond yeah. not meant to be. Um, all right, one more. Any chance that in the next two weeks they decide it's international, somewhere where there's not quarantine, or is this only in the United States somewhere if it's going to happen a couple of weekends from now?
2: Well, yeah, there, there's been talk of tribal lands, you know, in Florida, uh, Kansas, uh, uh, Oklahoma. There's even been floated um, that and they kind of they did some shows on a like a army hangar. It was called right. uh, something right. for the troops a few years back. There's been talk. Maybe they will get on some sort of ship and take it out in the intercoastal waterways. I mean, I doubt international. That happens,
0: right. International. Right. That's
2: what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're <laughs> All right, so Dana,
0: everything. wait, wait. Dana White has got some money. He's got some backing, some resources. But how are you getting a battleship? <laughs> how
2: are you going to get a? Well, ship? him and Trump are buddies, but I would think the battleships are being used for better purposes at the moment. I so,
0: believe I like the whole uh, Native American, American Indian uh, reservations where they govern their own stuff and their own rules. I believe that a little more than I believe the battleship sure. scenario. But let's see. Uh, Where this happens, and again, we're so starved for any kind of fights, UFC, games, something, and the belief, the optimism is that all of this is going to resume at some point, and maybe as soon as June, folks. What do we do with a baseball season? When does it start up? Does it start up as soon as June or July 1? Can it? Can they shoehorn in 100 games, 120 games before a postseason if that happens? What do we do with the NBA, the massively popular, you know this, Brian, NBA playoffs? When do they take place? What? Can hey, they Can what? they start that in June and July? We don't know, but there's optimism that it might be able to is the point.
2: What's going to be so great is if we do have the NBA playoffs in, in June, July, August, is how much their ratings kick MLB's ass. <laughs> I cannot <laughs> well, wait. Well,
0: sure. That. And you're, you're going to get them in a barrage much quicker because you got to force in many more games in a shorter time window because you don't want to be playing if the NFL starts up. So yeah. that's the hope, that's the optimism, that's what we're sticking to. I'm sticking with this guy. He's gracious to join me with his, with his time. we spent a lot of time today reminiscing the hypotheticals on the final four teams. What's going to happen with UFC It's 249, right? UFC 249, will that happen soon? Correct. Will that happen later? We don't know. Plug away on where they can read more and, and uh, hear more of you and find out more about you, Brian, as we keep everybody abreast of what's going on right now.
2: I'm on Twitter. My handle is at Vegas uh, B Edwards. Um, you can find my content, a lot of stuff on John Jones getting arrested and getting a plea deal yesterday at MajorWager.com. Um I also am a senior handicapper at VegasInsider.com. where, when we have games, you can get my picks and the, uh, you follow the major wager Twitter account. i Well, when we have season going, I I tweet a lot of injury info, but I'm tweeting a lot of stuff anyway. Uh, That is at Major Wager Uno, U-N-O. P.J., enjoyed it as always, my man, and uh, stay safe. Hope you and yours. Stay safe. Be well. Thank you. Enjoyed it, my man. Take care.
0: Great stuff from Brian Edwards here. Brian, be safe as well. I love the hypothetical lines. We'll see if the UFC happens. Thank you, brother.
2: All right, buddy. Be good.
0: A reminder that we're brought to you by our friends at MyBookie.ag. Yes, Vegas is closed for the first time. The Vegas casinos are all closed because of the coronavirus outbreak. But you know what casino is open 24-7 and accessible from the comfort of your home? That's right. It's MyBookie.ag and their casino. They're even running a free $10,000 Blackjack Madness tournament. And you can bet on the d Madness Games that they have for the Sports Gambling Podcast, the simulated NCAA tournament games, at MyBookie.ag as well. They're going to even have live lines while the games are going on. You know about MyBookie. They've got the fastest payout, the best promotions, helpful 24-7 customer service team. Join right now, and MyBookie matches your deposit halfway, up to $1,000. That means you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 to play with. Use the promo code SGP and activate the offer. Again, that's SGP for the promo code, and for the DGEN Madness. They're giving away $3,000 through the Sports Gambling Podcast show and website on the virtual NCA tournament. The games are simulated on NBA 2K and streamed live with uh, Sean Green and Ryan Kramer providing commentary. Sean Green's going to tell you more about it later on in the show. But game lines and live lines are being provided by My Bookie. You can bet this while it's ongoing. It's a 30 team tournament. Find out more sportsgamblingpodcast.com. But MyBookie.ag has all of the lines. The tip offs are Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific. Get your brackets in, make your wagers with the sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash contest. Again, it's MyBookie.ag. It's DJ Madness. And we're brought to you in part by ProSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Because you're buying the bet directly from another person, not only can you find great deals, but you can also buy bets from states where there is no sports betting. Get that ProSwap account loaded up, so when future buying returns, you can strike while the iron is hot. Sign up. For proswap.com today, and they'll give you 100% matching on your first deposit, just enter the promo code SGP. That's SGP at the time of deposit. Proswap will match it up to 100 bucks. Go to proswap.com today. This offer is void where prohibited. And Three Dog Thursday is also brought to you in part by Roman. All right, guys, if you were to guess, on average, how many days do people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor? Right now, it's obviously heightened because of what's going on with the coronavirus, but hey, Americans typically have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor as a new patient at your standard uh, physician's office. So if you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want that treatment a whole lot quicker. ASAP, And that's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that could connect you with a doctor, licensed in your state, and from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient. You get the treatment you need, you get it on your schedule, get your phone, get your computer, and get a complete online visit for free, and you'll hear back from a licensed U.S. physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy ships your medication to you free. 2-day shipping. You also get unlimited follow-up visits with the doctor anytime you have questions or you want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there's no commitment. You can cancel anytime. If you're struggling with ED, go to getroman.com/sgp to get a free online visit and free 2-day shipping. There is no obligation here to try it out. Just go to getroman.com/sgp, get a free online visit Get free two-day shipping. Get Roman. Always love hearing from my Winning Cures Everything guys, the podcast, the show on YouTube, the daily shows that are going on as well. Gary Seegers, Chris Giannini, uh, have loved their insight going all the way back to the beginning of the college football season through the NFL, the Super Bowl, as well as now into the college basketball season, which abruptly came to a halt a couple of weeks ago. As we keep saying, we understand the seriousness and the gravity of what's going on. Get that. Understand that. But it has robbed us of any March madness, much less the final four weekends. So Gary Seegers from Winning Cures Everything is now back on Three Dog Thursday uh, with me here. Uh, hey, thanks for, thanks for being willing to come on here and, uh, and do a little group therapy, a little hand holding with no final four. I'm finding a way to get through it. How are you doing with isolation, social distancing, et cetera? How are things, my friend?
3: And things are going well. Obviously, I'm, uh, I'm working from home, but I have figured out uh, this this Twitch thing, right? So the older I get, the less that I know, the less I understand what exactly <laughs> is going on in the world. But uh, but I know that some of these, you know, myBookie and Bovada and you know some of these different uh, different sports books have Madden streams and they have college basketball streams and whatnot that you can bet on. Now I'm not betting on them, <laughs> but as it sits right now, I'm sitting here watching the New York Jets against the Cleveland Browns and. It's, I mean, it's just like having football on in the background. It's, no doubt, it's actually, very therapeutic.
0: Well, and our guys, <laughs> our guys with the sports gambling podcast, and we're affiliated with their podcast network. They came up with the degenerate madness, or degen madness for short. Uh, and that tournament is ongoing where they put the college team in and they've got the lines and, and my bookie has even got live betting that's going on while their oh, simulated yeah. games are going on. So it's tremendous. Good for them on the on the creativity. So we're doing without we're, we're getting by on old games, uh, YouTube or CBS or CBS Sports Network or the college games, et cetera, et cetera. Um, at, on the day we're taping this, and Brian Edwards just talked about it at length, it was, it's the 35th anniversary of Villanova stunning Georgetown. There are so many Final Four memories, but that one comes to the forefront almost immediately with Villanova playing practically the perfect game against seemingly invincible Patrick Ewing, John Thompson led Georgetown. G- give me a Final Four that stands out to you. Give me a national champion, national championship game that stands out to you and why.
3: Uh, let's go with, first off, the 2012 Final Four. Kentucky and Louisville actually facing off in the Final Four. You know, the, the Kentucky Kansas game with Anthony Davis and whatnot, that was, that was fantastic. But the most riveting thing was having an entire week to build up to uh, a rivalry game in the Final Four. You don't get them that often. Uh, obviously, you're always going to have good teams there. But having Kentucky against Louisville, Calipari against Patino, you know that was uh, about as epic a Final Four matchup as you will ever get, and it the the game itself was riveting. So I I do remember that one really really well. Okay, so let me
0: interject. uh, You don't know this, but in my radio uh, travails of covering Final Fours, I was the Fox Sports radio Saturday night live host nationally at that time. I was in New Orleans for that Final Four, and I had to leave after semifinal number one to get to the local station because I could not broadcast from the Superdome. I had to go to the local station <laughs> to do the Saturday Night Show. So I am leaving with the Louisville fans in dejection, in almost silence, going outside of the Superdome onto Canal Street and headed to the French Quarter when I, I really felt for myself, Safety, Gary Seegers, because here came thousands of Kentucky fans surrounding this group of probably three or four hundred of Louisville people in Louisville clad red with their Cardinal stuff, the logos, it was easy to tell who they were, leaving the Superdome. I thought we're about to have rumble in the French quarter here, my friend, but no. They were wanting to buy the Louisville fans' tickets because they knew that uh, that Louisville was not going to stick around. More than likely, their fans for the championship game and the Kentucky fans wanted their tickets. And I saw hundred-dollar bills flying around like blowing bubbles with your with your preschool or or, <laughs> or uh, infant kids. I mean, there there was money, tickets flying everywhere while walking down the street. I mean, you'd have groups of five or six Kentucky fans surround this Louisville guy for his tickets, and it was crazy uh, what I was watching. So I remember that, and New Orleans, and Anthony Davis, and Kentucky find a way to win, and that's Calipari's only championship, by the way. For all the Final Fours at Kentucky, at Memphis, at UMass, that's the only championship was that year. What a great memory. So you jogged me on that for the French Quarter. Go ahead
3: uh the The second one that I'll give you is the twenty fifteen, and we're we're going to talk about Kentucky again, Kentucky going in undefeated uh the the overall favorite to win the tournament that year. Everybody thought we would get a Kentucky Duke national championship game, which would have been uh, a ratings bonanza. It was at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. uh But Wisconsin had different ideas so with with Frank Kaminsky and Sam Decker in that bunch, that was the uh, the Carl Anthony Towns and the Harrison Twins for kentucky uh that was an incredible game to watch and to to see kentucky go down in the final four to uh to just a, a disciplined team that nobody really gave a chance even though wisconsin was a one seed uh that was i, I remember that one as clear as day and wisconsin had such a good basketball team
0: and and uh, it was revenge go ahead. It was revenge because Kentucky had hit the winning shot. One of the Harrisons had hit the winning shot the year before in Dallas in the Final Four in the same exact setting game, football stadium, 52 weeks earlier. It was a revenge game for Bo Ryan, for Kaminsky, and for those Wisconsin guys, Sam Decker, Nigel Hayes, Bronson Koenig um again i had the privilege of being there i'm not trying to make this all about me it's your conversation it's your interview but it it was stunning to be around the kentucky student section and my end of the stadium which had all of the kentucky fans and how silent it went and how it became a funeral procession out of lucas oil stadium when wisconsin won that game gary to your point
3: you got that right it, it was it was great to see frank kaminsky one of uh You know, one of the the top 100 college basketball players of all time. Doesn't get the credit he deserves, but he was uh, something else when he was playing for Bo Ryan.
0: Love those final four memories. All right, let's have fun with this, Gary Seegers. Brian Edwards and I were just kicking around four hypotheticals. I repeat again for Gary and for everybody else. We don't know what would have happened in conference tournaments, good or bad, for any of these teams. The only thing in my hypothetical is we would have known in whatever their draw was, whatever their bracket was, whoever their opponents were, that all of these teams would have won four games under my hypothetical. So I put four matchups out, uh, Kansas against Dayton, Kentucky against San Diego State gonzaga against seton hall and michigan state and florida state F- first of all on face value how did i do on kind of spreading it around with uh non-power six different regions of the country did i did i do okay on my four hypothetical matchups of of kind of being all-inclusive do you like that
3: yeah i do like that i, I think these are uh <laughs> these are all really good very competitive matchups uh yeah i uh I, I like these matchups. These okay. are good. I mean you, you might could have thrown Creighton in there. You maybe. might have thrown Villanova in there. But, Maryland, you know, could have and,
0: thrown maybe yeah. Baylor, could've have, could have thrown, you know, several different teams, uh, uh Louisville, Virginia, one of those, maybe a Villanova, I don't know. But the, these are the four that I went but these with. But yeah. All right, yeah. so if Kansas is a three and a half point favorite over Dayton, as Brian Edwards was saying he thought they might be, would that have been attractive to you a little or a lot?
3: Uh, it would have been attractive on the Dayton side. Three and a half just seems like way too many points. Uh, Dayton didn't lose a game in regulation all year. Uh, they were on a massive winning streak. And sometimes when you've just got that confidence, I mean, that, you know, there's, there's nothing you can do. And there's not, it, as good as the players are for Kansas, there's not a player that they have that is as good as Obi Toppin. Uh, so I, I would roll with Dayton there. I think that they would have been able to, uh, to at least keep that game close. And remember, that that was a game that Dayton lost early in the year, uh, I believe at the Maui, wasn't it? Uh,
0: correct. Was it, was it that Overtime, correct. It, Overtime. You know, yes, Maui it overdone, invitation.
3: Yeah. It, so would it surprise anybody to see Dayton come back and win the game this go-round? Absolutely not. I, I would roll with Dayton there. Um, as far as the other ones. Uh, so, actually, so again, you, in you the, the other ones, just you so, so that I can
0: back. lay it out there, <laughs> Kentucky minus one and a half. With San Diego State, Gonzaga minus three with Seton Hall, and then Florida State as a short one-point favorite with Michigan State. Would one or more of those have been an attractive underdog for San Diego State, Seton Hall, or Michigan State under this complete hypothetical with hypothetical lines? What do you think?
3: Uh, I don't trust Seton Hall for anything. I, you know, I thought that they had the the team that could get to a Final Four. But if you were asking me to trust them, absolutely not. I think Gonzaga is a much better basketball team, so I I would have gone with the favorite on that one. Uh, San Diego State as an underdog against Kentucky, I think San Diego State was just a better team all year. No, they don't have the same talent as Kentucky, but uh, but Kentucky had highs and lows, and and really, if you look at their uh, their analytics, their their predictive uh, numbers, they weren't. I mean, they were barely a top thirty team. Uh, so I would I would probably go with San Diego State there. And as far as the, the Florida State, Michigan State, uh, Michigan State was playing really, really well towards the end of the season. Uh, Florida State, while they were doing great in the ACC, I don't know that the ACC was, was great this year. Um, I would have probably gone Michigan State there. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that, uh, that he thought Michigan State wouldn't have been the favorite.
0: He said if he were doing it, he thought Michigan State would probably be something like a three or a three and a half, but he really felt like Vegas would favor Florida State's strength of wins throughout the year in the ACC and would make them a favorite, depending again on whom they had beaten in the tournament. Again, we don't know any of that. We don't know how any of that would have worked. Um, you know, depending on are they a one seed or are they a two seed? Would they have immediately beaten a one seed just before that uh, to convince the the betting public even more that Florida State should have been favored? So, again, with all of those qualifiers, just interesting to kick around and something to think about with any of those games for Final Four weekend. Um, All right, so before uh, we get out of here, I want you to tell me a little more because you and Chris Giannini have been talking some about everything, all the current events, but this UFC fight card, and Brian just went into great detail about some of the fighters. Will they be able to fight or not? Is Dana White going to be able to have this show or not? He is aiming for April the 19th. Again, the disclaimer is we don't know for sure uh, if he's gonna have the card on and maybe it's going to be canceled I don't know but what what do you make of this about whether Dana White is going to potentially have this UFC uh pay-per-view somewhere some uh, place to be named what do you think
3: well I I think it's absolutely bonkers that they would even consider trying to do this at this point without Habib. Uh, If you don't have Habib, you don't have the matchup that everybody wanted, which is the entire reason why everybody wanted to watch it anyway. Um, You don't – like, it would be fine to watch Tony Ferguson and Justin Gatesy. That would be a fantastic matchup. But you want to see those two guys with full training camps, and neither of them is going to be able to have a full camp right now. So without that, without the main card or the main fight that everybody wanted to see – uh, really, you're just trying to piece together something to give people something to watch. Right. And I, I think that's what Dana is trying to do. But it's, you know, we're talking about Indian reservations. We're talking about, uh, you know, places that are just really tough to get to. And they're not going to have fans anyway, and I get that. But, you know, at this point, cut your losses. Tell the fighters, okay, look, we got you taken care of, and we will come back and do this again. But my biggest issue with it was I didn't want Ferguson to go out and risk losing because he could absolutely lose to Justin Gaethje if that fight ended up happening. Um, I wouldn't want to risk not getting Ferguson and Habib when everything gets back to normal mm. if it ever does, right? Um, I would like to see that fight in the fall if we can do it. But uh, I, at this point, without Habib, I would say just wipe the card out and just you know sit at home for a little while, enjoy your money, <laughs> enjoy spending time with the family and and stop trying to force something that uh, that obviously is uh, is really difficult to put together.
0: So that being said, that's what you would do if you were in charge. Again, oh, yeah. this may already have been wiped out by the time you're hearing 3 Dog Thursday, but it seems like at the time we're taping the show and at least here in the short term, Dana White is still trying to find a way as the UFC front man here to find a locale to have this card. So uh, let's say percentage chance here that it actually happens somewhere, somehow. Gauge it fifty-fifty. Better?
3: I'd say less than that. I'd, I'd say maybe maybe your best shot is like forty-sixty. I think it's probably closer to thirty-seventy. Uh, I I don't think this happens. I just I, right. I don't see how anybody in this country, with the way that things are going right now. Uh, can tell you that it will be fine to put together a fight in, you know, three less than three weeks. All right. I mean, it just, it makes no sense. Um, You know, if, if you look at the numbers, like the number of people that would have to be in the building, right? You know, we know that this virus can, uh, can live for like, what is it? Two weeks or even longer on different surfaces and stuff like that. Well, you're going to have to test. Uh, you've got one fighter in each, on each side, and then three cornermen. So that's eight guys per fight. So let's say that you have five fights. Sure. Forty different people, along with all of your camera guys, and you've got your ring easily and you easily a
0: hundred and maybe closer to two hundred people are going to have to be involved, right? Easily,
3: exactly, because you've got the crew that has to set up everything. You've got, you know, it's it's just not. Uh, I don't think it's doable. <laughs> I understand why he's doing it, and I appreciate it, because if it happens, yeah, I'm going to watch it. But I just I I don't see how it it does.
0: Well, these guys, they do it all the time. They do it frequently, weekly, with their podcast, their YouTube show, and their daily shows. Gary Seegers, tell them more about Winning Cures Everything. Go ahead.
3: WinningCuresEverything.com is the website. All of our picks, previews, podcasts, videos, social media platforms. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on YouTube, we're on Periscope. Uh, We had a really interesting guest on Tuesday. We had attorney Lynn Simon, who was uh, the chief advisor for Nancy Skinner in getting the SB 206, the fair pay to play act uh, passed in California. He talked about uh, the NCAA, the NCPA, which was created to, to help protect players and whatnot. And it was necessitated because the NCAA got away from their big mission and whatnot. So go and check that out. We talked to him for about 45 minutes and he is, fascinating to listen to so go check that out uh, but yeah winningcureseverything.com is the site to find everything you can get us on any of your favorite podcast platforms uh, and we do appreciate you tj for uh for coming on with us all the time and for letting us come on with you
0: uh love the relationship you need to stay safe with your family with your little ones uh in memphis same with chris and his family in mississippi i got much love for my winning cures everything dudes and their families uh there in the mid-south We're hanging in here in Florida. You guys are doing a great thing with putting content out and keeping people occupied. Here's hoping that we all stay safe over the next couple of weeks. This thing begins to turn, and we start looking at the possibility of games in the summer being scheduled, being put back on, and some normalcy returns. That's the hope, anyway. For now, though, we hang in there, and we encourage everybody to go find them at Winning dot WinningCuresEverything.com, at WinningCures on Twitter, WinningCuresEverything on YouTube, etc., My man, Gary Seegers, thank you, my friend, for spending some time with me talking Final Four, hypothetical UFC, and all else. You're the best.
3: Hey, we appreciate you. Take care.
0: A reminder still to come, T.C. Martin in Las Vegas. How weird is it without the Final Four? T.C., a huge college basketball guy. He'll talk some Final Four memories. He'll also talk about his cereal madness as well. Uh, I'm looking for breakfast cereal we're talking about. And then Sean Green will be here from the Sports Gambling Podcast talking his final four memories and D-Gen Madness for the Degenerate Gamblers. They've got the computer-simulated NCAA tournament games with the teams, with the live lines. They're doing play-by-play of the simulations, all part of D-Gen Madness. Sean Green up in a little bit. Reminder one more time, no matter how you found the podcast, whether you found it through uh, sportsgamblingpodcast.com, whether you found it through a social media link, uh, through my Twitter at BucksSidelineGuy, B-U-C for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. NFL draft coming up. Bucs sideline guy. Whether you found us through the Sports Gambling Podcast uh, Twitter feeds at Gambling Podcast or Sports Gambling Podcast Network's Twitter feed, social media Uh, Facebook, Instagram, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe away uh, uh, via iTunes, Apple Podcasts on Google, uh, Podcasts on Spreaker, on Stitcher, uh, wherever you find podcasts, Spotify, you can go find Three Dog Thursday. Again, off the Sports Gambling Podcast feed of shows off their website. But the easiest way to get this podcast is just subscribe, it'll come automatically to you. So wherever you find those podcasts, in particular with our friends at Apple Podcasts, or Spreaker, go grab the podcast. Three Dog Thursday out every Thursday right here is the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows, and we love the great guests and much more. Let's get back to those guests talking more without the final four. Here is part of Three Dog Thursday.
1: The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here
0: again is T.J. Reeves rolling along usually we would be eyeball deep right now uh raring to go with a final four in atlanta in this case a national championship game coming on monday night we have none of it we've been over it we understand it Uh, we understand the why and the why is more important right now that we all stay healthy stay safe i don't have to tell the people in vegas this and this guy one of the, uh, the unelected mayors of Vegas. I love me some T.C. Martin. Uh, the T.C. Martin Show on five days a week in Las Vegas over the air. Also available dot T.C.MartinShow.com, either live or podcast form. He has been gracious enough to welcome me onto his program. I welcome him now onto Three Dog Thursday to commiserate, to pontificate, and any other eight about all. T.C., uh, how are you? How are we getting along right about now? How is everything?
1: Don't forget T.J. Reeves. Let's don't hesitate. Let's participate. <laughs> Let's appreciate. Let's go, baby, because I'm still feeling great.
0: He is. Uh, he is always quick to pick up on all these all these different things. And I love you're you're so well versed. We can talk hoops. We can talk football. We can talk boxing. I've had you on boxing podcasts. But I want to hone in on the Final Four. If I say to you, Final Four memory that comes to you immediately, and maybe it's one or two. Give me one. Go.
1: You know, just probably recently, it would probably be Duke and Butler, uh, you know, in the recent memory. I really enjoyed that game, the underdog versus, you know, the mighty might, that sort of thing, Uh, the near upset, that sort of thing. That was fantastic. But, you know, if we're going to go back, you know, of course, you know, we can go way back to the Jim Valvano, 83, NC State uh, against five slamma jamma, you know, championship game. Great. Villanova, Georgetown, fantastic as well too. Uh, several, I mean several. Um, again, you know, Kentucky, Arizona uh, with ninety-seven. Um, I, I love the Kentucky-Memphis game where oh. everyone thought that Memphis was going to take care of business, and of course, uh, John Calipari's team cannot shoot free throws, <laughs> and we handicapped against that. And guess what? Winner, winner, uh, chicken dinner, bluegrass winner. Well,
0: you know that I am a Memphis guy. Uh, and and I've already brought it up on this podcast. It pains me. It was down 12 years ago at the Alamo Dome, and I was sitting right there. The amazing thing was that Memphis had made like every free throw all the way until the final two minutes of the Kansas game. They had, I guess, had an out-of-body experience as a team and suddenly begun to make them all in the Sweet 16 with Michigan State. It continued to lead eight with Texas. Uh, there in the football stadium in Houston, and then it continued in the national semifinal in the final four game with UCLA. They made practically all of them. They made they made enough of them uh, to put games away, and then even in the Kansas game, they had made them all the way until the final two minutes when they couldn't make them, and the final thirty seconds when they couldn't make them, and Mario Chalmers made them pay. And uh, what can what can we say? So it's it's not to be for Memphis, but. Uh, Yeah, I mean, those are those are some uh, some amazing memories. You know, you go back to that whole Butler Duke finish, where again they were replaying it on CBS recently on one of the weekends where they're re-showing these championship games because we don't have NCAA tournament live action in twenty twenty. But you forget that Kyle Singler was at the foul line for for Duke coming out of a timeout if he makes the if 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 he makes the free throw, then the Gordon Hayward shot is only for the tie at mid court t c instead Correct. the Gordon Hayward shot is for the win because of the missed free throw and it clangs off the backboard and off the rim
1: exactly no great great memories. Uh, great games. And again, I am I'm am missing all of this right now. I am missing all this. And again, for me personally, like yourself in the media, we are fortunate enough to go to a lot of these events and, and cover them. I was credentialed and all set to go back to my hometown in Sacramento uh, you know, two weeks ago, and then last weekend, I was credentialing, ready to go to the Staples Center in LA. So, talk about how my past two weekends have been a nightmare, TJ, having to settle for these old CBS replays, <laughs> and it's 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 been torture, torture for me.
0: Yep, it's it is that way for all of us. So, in some ways, this is a little group therapy. So, enlighten me further because I'm always curious about this. I have never been in Las Vegas around Final Four weekend. How would you describe it? You've been there for a long time doing radio, doing media work. How would you describe it to the rest of us that maybe have heard something about it, occasionally seen a clip? What is it like on a typical NCAA tournament concluding Final Four weekend?
1: It is amazing, okay? There are so many adjectives that I could use, but really, you, we should put this on bucket list material. I'm being very, very serious about this. For the sports fan specifically the college basketball fan, it is bucket list material. We talk about going to different arenas and different venues and stadiums and that sort of thing, vacations. People plan coming to Las Vegas for either the opening weekend, which actually is the most popular, by the way. Right. So that is the most popular. You cannot get a room here in Las Vegas. I've been fortunate enough to host uh, the, the parties here for that and Final Four Uh, at the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas, and there's a nice plug, even though they're currently closed right now. But Mm -hmm. in the Belmont Ballroom, it is the most uh, riveting parties up there. You have 4,000 people. They have over 100 televisions. They have about 50, (laughs) 22-foot screens. I'm not kidding. 22-foot screens uh, in the Belmont Ballroom. They have a half-court hardwood floor. You have all-you-can-eat, premier buffet style. It's not a cheap ticket to get in, but uh, you, can, you can see all the games on that opening uh, Thursday and Friday and Saturday. It is unbelievable, TJ. It is unbelievable. If you have never experienced a, a viewing party like this, you, you have to come check it out. And then, of course, that parlays into the Sweet 16, Elite Eight weekend, and of course the Final Four weekend. But the opening weekend is by far the most popular here in Las Vegas.
0: Well, yeah, and uh, again, uh, it will resume. Uh, This too shall pass. It will all come back around. Uh, But I wonder, because again, you're you're working, you're going to the station to do your five-day-a-week show, limited employees, the streets, et cetera, in the daytime, especially on a weekend like this or in the early evening, they would be nuts. They would be crowded with tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people in and around Las Vegas Boulevard, the strip, the casinos. And now it's the 180 degree opposite ghost town. Uh, again, once more, it's as unusual as it gets, I have to believe.
1: It is. And, you know, you could actually make the argument that we are probably in the in the worst place, you know, right now, because Las Vegas is built around tourism and hospitality in the hotel and casinos. And when you see all of the hotel and casinos, just not the the strip hotels, but the local ones as well, too, it's affecting this com- uh, economy just greatly here. It's 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 actually depressing. Uh, I went on Las Vegas Boulevard uh, two days ago and it was it was eerie. I mean it was something like out of a a sci-fi movie. No cars going down, scene that uh you know that there there's no people uh, even over by the Bellagio. They had the Starbucks boarded up. <laughs> it was just in it was an eerie scene to see. And uh we actually thought that come April 1st we would be back to business and maybe even you know uh, being able to go in these casinos, but now it's uh, going to be extended further. So yeah, tough times here in Vegas, uh, totally, totally mind-blowing.
0: Yeah, well, and, and it's uh, it's just something to consider and motivate you more for when it all resumes, because it will resume. I'm being optimistic. I think we should have this kind of outlook. It will resume at some point. Uh, we have always risen up out of terrorist attacks. Heck, heck, it's a previous two generations before us, but we lived through a world war. Where thousands and thousands of American soldiers died, their families were ripped apart because of that. We overcame it. We we found a way to overcome it and persevere on. So uh, this this too will be the same way, and we'll we'll maybe value sports much more. I keep saying that. We'll maybe value the games and what we have because right now we're starved, mm-hmm. starved without. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, a food reference segue. That is perfect for my man T.C. Martin of the T.C. Martin Show. I want you to elaborate for the Three Dog Thursday audience. You have been participating in the bracketing process and Breakfast Cereal Madness, or Cereal Madness the hashtag, you have been going through breakfast cereal matchup after breakfast cereal matchup, and for the audience that's hearing us heading into the weekend, you're narrowing down like from the Sweet 16 to the Elite Eight to the Final Four, and eventually a breakfast cereal champion. Tell me more.
1: That is correct. Uh, so actually, uh, my astute producer, aka Earthquake, uh, came up with this idea, uh, you know, a few weeks back, and said, you know, we have no March Madness. What do you think about a serial bracket? And instantly I said, this is great. Let's put this out to to our listeners. Listeners picked up on it. So what I did, TJ, I, I decided to incorporate uh, not just the listeners but the guests. And I have a pretty well guest-driven show. Where we at least have you know at least one or two guests on every show here. And so I decided – at the end of my interview segment, like I did with yourself a couple weeks ago, right? give me your go-to cereal. Give me your number one seed for a cereal. <laughs> and the first guy said, Captain Crunch. Next guy said, Fruit Loops. Next guy said, Tricks. Next guy said, Wheaties. I said, that's it. So we basically took 16 cereals from our guests' suggestions, and then we seeded the cereals. And then after seeding the cereals, we lined it up to the time frame when we would actually be watching you know the Sweet 16 and then that's when we started it last week so we're down to our elite eight uh and then this week we are now taking uh it down to the final four so friday we will be having our final four show monday we'll be having our championship game show and uh there it is we will have a serial bracket <laughs> okay champion. yes it's the tc martin show serial madness and we have a, a bevy of celebrity guests who come out and they break down. The cereal. All right, so I've already, the I've
0: already come on your show and, and and bemoaned the fact that you considered Cheerios as a category and not just Honey Nut Cheerios. We don't have to go into the full diatribe, <laughs> but so you have Cheerios. All right, so in your Elite Eight, for the audience that can visualize this, they can also see it on TCMartinShow.com, you have in the Elite Eight Cap'n Crunch and Raisin Bran, top half of one bracket on the left. Captain Crunch is the number one overall seed. And that
1: would be Brand, the East Regional. Okay, Raisin Bran as the
0: that. nine. Yeah. I believe Raisin Bran vastly, vastly underseeded as a nine. There, bottom of the bracket, Apple Jacks and Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Uh, over on the right side of the bracket, the two seed Frosted Flakes advanced. Although I'm a big fan of of Cinnamon Life, we didn't talk about this on your show. Cinnamon Life cereal, big on my list. Uh, you have that included under the Life Cereal-like family of cereals with all the different flavors. But Frosted Flakes advanced with Fruit Loops in your Elite Eight on Cereal Madness. Bottom of that bracket is Sugar Pops and Cheerios. I don't know if that was your Midwest bracket or what. Sugar Pops and Cheerios, which would include Honey Nut Cheerios, is what you were Correct. telling me. you got to have... Uh, there is going to be some kind of investigation, if not an in, if not an FBI investigation, a Tony the Tiger Toucan Sam investigation, something. If Honey Nut Cheerios is not in this final four, something is up on the TC Martin show. That's that's got to well, be Honey there. Nut it's got to happen.
1: It's carrying it's carrying the Cheerios uh, banner right now. There's no question. I mean, people, old school guys, yeah, they like the Cheerios. Not much flavor there, but Honey Nut Cheerios is really carrying that, and that's why the number three was. Uh, uh, three seed was so high there, I think because of honey nut Cheerios. But again, you know, I think Dave Gavitt was on the committee here and you know, after selection Sunday, there's always some problems. I mean people are are firing, you know, these uh you know these protests at the commissioner here in the in the tournament committee. So I understand, TJ, this is our first year and we understand that we probably, you know, probably blew you know some of the seating. You know, you're right, Raisin Brand <laughs> underseated. People were vehemently <laughs> going crazy people were texting me and chiming on the show what are you talking about right. Applejack's a five seed how can apple Jack's not be a top two or three seed are you crazy like slow your roll people So we understand infancy in the Cereal Madness bracket here on the T.C. Martin Show. We will have to expand to 32 next year. (laughs) Honey Nut Cheerios will stand on their own. Cinnamon Life will be on their own. But we found out one thing yesterday. When we found out what Cinnamon Life got destroyed by Frosted Flakes, you know what we found out, T.J. Reeves? That only Mikey liked life.
0: yeah, I know. and and the Tony the Tiger is a very <laughs> strong, bad brand. By the way, uh, went to England with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the Buccaneers Panthers game uh, in London last October. You'll be happy to know in the UK they are not frosted flakes. Same box color, same Tony the Tiger. They are simply Frosties in the UK. Frosties? Would you like some <laughs> Frosties? So they're just Frosties. Feel free to use that on the show if Frosted Flakes does advance to the final four. That for our friends in Europe, in particular in English speaking Europe, they are simply Frosties. I don't know how that translates into another language on a cereal wow. box, but that's what it is in London because I had some Frosties. I had some Frosties. Some Frosties when I was over there. So anyway, check out more on cereal madness in a in addition to all the conversation, we gotta get creative, and that's what TC and his crew are doing. Outstanding photo. I encourage the audience go to TCMartinshow.com of TC holding up the sugar pops and the apple jacks. We gotta get you some kind of stipend, some kind of residual free cereal something for, for doing that kind of promotion. Um, I'm a big cereal guy. I I mean, I will eat cereal probably five days out of the seven every week. So I am a, I am a connoisseur and I'm into this. I'm curious to know your final four. I'm curious to know your national champion when it's all said and done. They can find out more right on TCMartinShow.com this weekend.
1: Absolutely, my friend. I'm going to throw one more thing in there as well, too. Not only are we so uh, crazy and ballistic, and we have people like Al Bernstein and Teddy Atlas and <laughs> Pete Gillen. These are our, our judges. These are our panel. And to hear these Hall of Fame analysts break down the cereal when the milk comes down, and this uh, it, it is fantastic. I think so it's, you it's, it's vastly
0: underestimated T.J. Reeves coming strong <laughs> on the Cereal Madness. I don't think you knew that I had the chops to come into the T.C. Martin show and mix it up. About I'm calling the upset right now. Raisin Bran over Top Seed, Cap'n Crunch. Oh. That has to happen. I, I, Raisin Bran is just a veteran. It's got the sugary raisins. It, it's got great flavor with the milk. Cap'n Crunch is good, but not great. That, that upset's got to happen. A 9 over a 1 into your final four. I, I, and if it doesn't, I, does I, it, I, 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 I really, want an investigation.
1: I, I, I'm feeling it, but the last thing I would like to would send people to the website you mentioned the picture, this and that and the bracket sheet is up there, but also we have the write-ups of the, the, the previous <laughs> games, and I want to throw your attention to this because there are a couple of references I think that you would appreciate. I'm looking the at them. Cheer- Go ahead. Okay, well, if, you, if you look at Cheerios versus Cocoa Puffs in a wild affair, okay, in that there was controversy at the end as Sonny the Cuckoo Bird flew onto the court with seven seconds left. The (laughs) game was tied to protest a charging call by someone you should be familiar with there in Tampa, Coco Crisp Jr. drove the lane, hit a running one-hander, it was waved off by none other than who, T.J. Reeves? Who's the referee The in
0: infamous uh, NBA referee Tim Donaghy, who I think is in some kind of witness protection program in either Florida, Arizona, or Mongolia. Parts unknown. But Donaghy gave the foul call in this controversial Cheerios versus Coco Puffs. I don't know if it's a credit to the imagination or if it's a sickness that you guys have actual recaps on the serial madness. Not just that a serial won, but somebody, you, Earthquake, you guys on the show, took the time to write a recap. we, we got to have the audience decide whether that is true dedication or an illness of I some will, kind. I will
1: tell you, it is me. I raise my hand. This is solely me. Uh, again, uh, you know, we have too much time on <laughs> our hands right now. What can I say? But th- this has taken off, and you know how I am, TJ. If we're going to do it, we're going to do it right. Right? I love it. it. That's it. All right, plug
0: away for Serial Madness and otherwise this weekend. No Final Four in Vegas, but what all you got going on? Tell them where they find it, how, and how they find you.
1: Check it out. uh, 2 o'clock Pacific. You can listen live or go to the podcast, like TJ said, tcmartinshow.com. Serial Madness, baby! There it is. Final Four show coming on Friday. Uh, Thursday, you know, we've got the Elite Eight. We've got great... uh, Celebrity panelists, uh, experts. It's a lot of fun. We have a great time. And uh, as always, my man, always being on with you is a treat, a joy. uh, Anytime, my friend, no matter what sport it is. Heck, we're trying to find something to handicap here because we have no sports books that are open. Uh, We're trying to find maybe some some Russian table tennis. I mean, we're looking at that. Uh, Nigerian soccer. uh, Tiddlywinks. Anything you can come up with. Serial madness. Oh, and by the way, our good friend Scott Spritzer, yes, has posted lines on this. You can go on Twitter and see that as well, too. Yes, he has posted money line odds. I'm on going. It's Three Dog year.
0: Thursday. I'm going with whatever I can get on Raisin Brand to pull the upset as the underdog in that nine-versus-one matchup. I love it.
1: Plus right now. Plus 650.
0: <laughs> That's beautiful. TC, good luck with the serial madness. I appreciate you hanging out
1: with me on Three Dog Thursday. Take care, my man.
0: Coming down the home stretch here, what would have been Final Four weekend in Atlanta, but again, we are without. For now, we'll never know how the 2020 NCAA tournament would have played out, although we've had some fun with it here on the show. Always love the insight, dual purpose here, the insight of the guys with the Sports Gambling Podcast, Sean Green, Ryan Kramer. They have Colby Dant hanging out with them uh, as well right now because of what they're doing with D-Gen Madness, short for degenerate, D-Gen Madness and their college (laughs) games. Sean Green is here to talk about that, but also talk a little fun uh, historical reminiscing on the Final Four. So, Sean Green of the Sports Gambling Podcast, happy we don't have a Final Four weekend. Happy first week of April without sports. It is definitely odd. It's definitely definitely different. Are you hanging in there? And I know dJ Madness is helping us hang in there.
4: Yeah, no, I mean, this is... Uh, we're recording this on April 1st, and it feels like a horrible <laughs> April Fool's joke gone wrong. But, uh, yeah, I mean... You know, it, it's crazy. We're just starting to talk off off air there. But, like, I can't remember the last time I played a video game. And the <laughs> idea of sitting and watching uh, the computer play a video game just sounds ridiculous. But when you actually watch the game, the, uh, you know, the animation is so realistic. Um, and, you know, we're doing the play-by-play, which is always kind of something fun that I wanted to do. And, uh, and we're able to bet on it live. It, it's crazy because... My bookie is offering the betting lines, and you know, like as the game's going, the line's just adjusting. So even if you catch it late, you can still (laughs) get a bet in. It's it's really crazy.
0: No doubt. And we're doing,
4: and in the same way, like we would do uh, podcasts where we recap games or preview games and talk about the betting line. We're doing it for these D Gen Madness games that I have to catch myself sometimes realizing, like, oh my god, we're talking about a video game (laughs) because. In my mind, I was handicapping it you know, as if it's a real game.
0: Love that. And we'll get into the specific matchups that are still left because you guys were playing games last week and you're going to go through some more games this weekend and then keep it going even next weekend beyond what would have been the Final Four. So more on that in a moment. If I say to you as I've said to other guests here on 3 Dog Thursday, favorite final four memory or something that comes to mind immediately, I think I know where you're going to go cuz I know where you're from, but let's see let's see what you say. Go ahead.
4: Well, you know, it would easy it'd be easy to say oh, Villanova game winning <laughs> shot to win the championship, right? which is awesome and it's it's just a crazy way for a season to end. But the a, a fun one that I randomly <laughs> remembered uh just today because I saw someone post about the game online was 2015 final four, where Kentucky uh, lost to Wisconsin. And I remember that just cause it was, we, uh, it was a big group of friends and we we're out in Vegas for a buddy's bachelor party. And I went big on Wisconsin. So I just have a lot of great memories associated with that game, catching a big bet, being in Vegas, walking around after a big win and, you know, partying up for my buddy's bachelor party. So yeah, it, I know like the game itself, it would have to be what Villanova did. But, um, you know, personally, that 2015 was I want a bunch of money. So uh, that's always got a, you know, a spot in my heart.
0: Incredible win by and a revenge win by the Badgers that year, stopping 38 and 0 Kentucky that was seemingly yep. uh, destined to be playing Duke on Monday night in a championship game that would have had you know easily 30 million people watching it no offense Wisconsin but when Kentucky undefeated 39 and 0 wasn't there Monday night it wasn't quite the same thing i will say this i i love weaving these stories in and out and i've been privileged to be had 18 Final Fours, 18 of them previously, various work duties. So I was at that one working for TuneIn, was slated to be working for TuneIn this year at the one in Atlanta. But the thing that struck you about that night was it was a sea of blue in Lucas Oil Stadium for the semifinals, and it was Kentucky Blue, not Duke Blue, not Wisconsin Red, not Michigan State Green, who was the other team. It was Kentucky Blue. Probably out of the seventy-five to, to eighty thousand they had, easily, easily fifty-five and maybe sixty thousand was Kentucky fans. No exaggeration. And it oh, yeah. was no, the I'm... it was the quietest Sean funeral procession like <laughs> leave after the first semifinal game when they had lost. You've never seen so many thousands of people clad in blue, filing out every which direction, just in silence, and a lot of them in tears in silence. It was crazy.
4: <laughs> Well, when we were when uh, you mentioned this that we were going to talk about on the podcast, and I kind of thought of this game, I pulled it up on YouTube, and I forgot. Uh, I mean, that's what's great about college sports in general is the reaction shot of the crowd, mm. and you just got these these you know, Kentucky blue face painted with like the tears running down, and <laughs> the, just you. They know, always get a shot of a kid who's completely devastated. and It reminds me of heartbreaking sports losses when I was a kid when you're on the other side of that as a gambler and you're watching the other people cry after you make a bunch of money, uh, you know, it's shot and Freud at its finest. So, oh. yeah. And especially with the sec schools, cause they go so hard. And I mean, that's what I do love about the sec, how diehard the fans are, but when you're winning bets and then they show the home crowd and you know, they're either in their like Sunday finest. Cause a lot of times they dress up for the games or, going to the crazy extent that they do and you you see they're on the other side of it it's uh it just makes it a little more fun
0: yep crazy stuff indeed and and again uh you know wisconsin wins that game but doesn't win the title duke beat them two nights later for coach k's fifth national championship back five years ago uh and you just you think back to those you mentioned chris jenkins hitting the shot for villanova Uh, which again, uh, just an epic moment to be in that Houston NRG football stadium uh, when the crowd went berserk and then almost simultaneously the cannon went off (laughs) inside inside with the confetti cannon yeah. going every which direction. You didn't know what to think for half a second because it ended the game uh, wild. And then and then we're doing this podcast. I think I may have made mention of it earlier in the show. I'm trying to keep track of because I've done some other interviews as well today in advance of Three Dog Thursday. This is the 35th anniversary today, April 1st, 1985, of Roly Massimino Villanova against Patrick Ewing, John Thompson, Georgetown. Uh, Dwayne McClain, Ed Pickney, Harold Jensen, that that 85 team that is still so special and near and dear to everybody in Philadelphia and everybody in Villanova's uh, minds for the upset they pulled of the seemingly invincible Georgetown Hoyas that night. Incredible game. They've written books about it. Sean, they've made the HBO documentary, which is worth the rewatch, if you can get your hands on that, uh, to go back and watch that night. And what happened in Lexington, Kentucky, speaking of Kentucky. So, wow, I am I am getting old, Sean Green, that that was 35 <laughs> well, I mean, years ago.
4: Yeah, I mean, Patrick Ewing, dominant force, but just never could win the big one, kind of just the Dan Marino of basketball. And, yeah, definitely growing up in Philly, I heard about those Villanova teams. And then it was just for a while there, uh, I mean, locally, college basketball kind of it it lost its luster a little bit the you know they call them uh whatever those those five schools i think the big bus- five right the big five right right big five they had kind of just you know, lost a little bit of their swagger there and then Jay Wright recently just has brought the Villanova program uh, really back to life, so it, it's making college basketball in Philly interesting again. And by the way, looking
0: forward to love it. Yep, Look at looking forward to all of it starting back up for sure. I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, by, exactly. by the way, if you haven't seen Jay Wright, did surface on TV today at the time that we're taping on ESPN in an interview. And he's rocking the full salt-and-pepper beard. at the, I almost didn't recognize him, Sean Green. The audience can look up <laughs> screen grabs or video of Jay Wright being on ESPN today talking about Final Four memories, winning those two championships in three years. But you look at him, and it looks like like Jay Wright's dad. Or maybe Jay Wright's granddad. <laughs> it doesn't look like Jay Wright, is my point uh, on that. Jay so, Wright
4: after, uh, after he got off a of deserted island. Maybe
0: so. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, uh, you know, on Survivor or Survivor Jay, right? You're right. So <laughs> yeah. we look forward to that. Um, all right. So those are good final four memories. Let's get into it with Sean Green, Sports Gambling Podcast, D-Gen Madness. We've already talked about it. Computer Simulated. You guys have no idea what the ge- how the game is going to turn out. You've just turned the game loose and you're doing live commentary. It will start up again on Friday night, depending on when you're hearing us with these different matchups. Just a quick comment. How big of a kick is it you sitting there with Ryan Kramer with Colby Dant and watching all this unfold and know that there are hundreds and hundreds if not thousands that are eventually seeing the video or at least the clips of the video and some are wagering on the outcome and the spread and even a <laughs> last second shot I saw the video of the three guys like in a dorm room and when the last second yeah. shot happened they went berserk off your video
3: game
4: Yeah no it's insane I mean we were a part the first game butler michigan uh it's you know uh butler was down 40 to 37 drive drive down and just nail a deep three as time expires and send it in overtime the first game ever of dj madness and we get an overtime game (laughs) uh it's really so exciting and and we're like losing our minds calling the game uh we've we've had a bunch of great games which we've really lucked out with the simulations because we did some test simulations and you know, inevitably some are blowouts, but I don't know if the computer knows that it's uh, being watched. <laughs> but uh, they're they're showing up under the bright lights and really coming through with some awesome games. Even the one game that was a blowout, you know, it's kind of fun because we can we can joke around. And I got really mad because Memphis totally blew my bet there. Uh. But yeah, I went I went five and three with my picks. So. You know, I would take that uh, five out of eight. I would take that any first round of any any March Madness or D-Gen Madness tournament and excited. Yeah, we actually have uh, games, two games Thursday, two games Friday, two games Saturday, two games Sunday. Six o'clock on the West Coast, nine o'clock East. And then the, the late game is usually right after at like 10 East, uh, 7 Pacific.
0: Yeah, so uh, again, on the different matchups, you guys went with what, a 30-team tournament, if I'm correct? Not 32. You went with 30? is that right and so the Thursday games are LSU and Villanova speaking of Villanova Colorado and Kentucky and then uh Friday Texas Tech Florida State Houston Seton Hall Saturday West Virginia and the Evil Duke Arizona Michigan State man I would have loved to have seen that game in the actual NCAA tournament as well (laughs) Washington Louisville and Virginia Gonzaga would have been very intriguing too Re- live all of it as it happens live uh, again through sports gambling podcast and uh, and their feed, their Periscope feed, their website feed. Facebook, YouTube, etc. Find it everywhere of Dejan Madness. And important one more time: you guys don't know what's going to happen. You have no idea the outcome while you're calling it. You're just like the audience. You're watching it unfold. There's live betting that's going on while it's happening. You guys are talking <laughs> yeah. about the spread and the live betting, and it's it's something that nobody knows until it ends, right?
4: Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, like you said, it's streamed on all those platforms. But yeah, so it's uh, we're using NBA. K20. So it's an updated game. The graphics look great. Sound is amazing. And yeah, we just imported the college basketball team roster. So it's all these rosters are updated. These are the players you would have been seeing in March Madness, but instead you're seeing them in uh, Gen Madness. And yeah, we basically just have the computer play itself in a game and uh, we just watch and commentate and check in with the fans. I mean, that's another fun thing where they'll (laughs) like point out stuff or go you know we'll react. There's a there's been a, a high school coach called Coach Kev who's been hanging out in the chat room and he's kind of like the sideline guy we throw down to if we're <laughs> asking what kind of play they should be calling. Because Coach so.
0: Kev, Coach Kev's got nothing to coach right now. He's probably got <laughs> yeah, wife exactly. and kids in the house more than likely, and he's got to have something to do. So he's all he's all in on DJ Madness being the sideline <laughs> exactly. reporter. I love it.
4: Exactly. And yeah, that's where we're at. Again, just kind of turning lemons into lemonade here. And uh, it really, if you're hesitant, if you're skeptical, I certainly was when we came up with the idea. But uh, I I would I would really urge people to just give it a shot because once you watch these games, you, you feel like you're watching a game and they they go pretty quick. They're like 40 minutes. They don't drag on. And a lot of these games, they've been coming down to the last minute. Uh, especially with the spread they've all been in play so it's it's a lot of fun
0: again dgen madness resumes on thursday night uh again nine eastern six pacific for the games every night thursday night friday night saturday night sunday night and sean promote again where they can find all of this how they find it where they find it i said it a minute ago but repeat it here
4: yeah i mean the easiest way is just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com hit the dgen madness button All the links to the different places you can see it are there. But, yeah, we're streaming on our YouTube channel, uh, Twitter, Periscope, Facebook, Instagram Live. If you're following us on any social media, uh, we'll be streaming it there. So give us a follow, and uh, thanks, man.
0: Love it. Again, at Gambling Podcast on Twitter. Uh, You can follow him at Sean T. Green on Ah. Twitter as well. Ah. Always love it. By the way, the dog is excited in advance of DGen Madness. We've had it all on <laughs> Three Dog that. Thursday. How appropriate! It's Three Dog Thursday. The dog excited as well. Sean, good luck uh, with the DGen Madness, and we'll see how it goes. You're making it easier to not have the actual Final Four with this. Well, we appreciate it. Thank you, as always, my friend.
4: Thank you, TJ, and uh, yeah, have a good one, man. Appreciate it.
0: There goes Sean Green. My thanks also to our guest all the way back at the beginning of the show, Brian Edwards, MajorWager.com with those fantasy Final Four matchups that I gave him. Also, Gary Seegers of the Winning Cures Everything podcast uh, coming on, giving his thoughts on the Final Four. Same thing with T.C. Martin and the T.C. Martin Show in Las Vegas, including his cereal madness. Who are the teams, or I'm sorry, who are the cereal boxes, the cereal flavors that are going to end up in his Final Four? And then Sean Green right there talking degenerate madness or degen madness uh, with their computer simulated game check it out any night uh, through this weekend as part of the sports gambling podcast network that'll do it here again subscribe to the show on itunes on spotify on google podcast wherever you get podcasts thank you for finding us through the sports gambling podcast network of shows their network feed and sportsgamblingpodcast.com. subscribe away it's the easiest way to get to the show And we'll come back again next week, post-Final Four. I don't know what else we talk about without games. Maybe we get to talk at some point about the restarting of games, NFL draft, and much more. We'll do that as part of Three Dog Thursday here in April. For now, we're done. I'm TJ Reeves. Thanks for being with us on Three Dog Thursday. Bye.